0: Maze, you know in life when reality feels like it's Switch sides. a repeat? Déjà vu all over again, Tom. What is it called? Déjà vu. Déjà vu, right. All over again. When Charania tweeted out that Kyrie Irving has reached out to LeBron, I had that, what do you call it? Déjà vu. All over again. Where have I heard this before? Hasn't this already happened? And then it occurred to me happen on this show Mm.
2: do you guys remember in game of thrones brandon stark when he got the superpowers three-eyed raven the three-eyed raven right third eye open at some point it was hard for him to discern visions of the future visions of the past and what's present Mm -hmm. that's what this podcast has made me feel like i don't know anymore someone once told me time is a flat circle Everything we've ever done or will do, we're going to do over and over and over again. I see news and I say, that's not news. This is very, very old. Where have I heard this before? And then I remember, oh, I heard it before because we saw the future months ago. And what's just happened is the future has caught up with the present. The past has caught up with the future. The ghost of Christmas past is now the future. We're here now. Like the thing that we saw miles and miles down the road as we travel in this car of time.
1: Are you telling me that you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? The way I
2: see it, if you're going to build a time machine into a car, why not do it with some style? We finally reached that mile marker. And while everyone else is like, wow, look, the biggest ball of twine. Who knew it would be here? Well, we told you 100 miles ago that it would be here.
0: Yeah, four months ago, we talked about the LeBron to Dallas stuff.
2: Four months? I mean, ladies and gentlemen, it's not like we had this a couple of weeks ahead of people. Four months? At what point do people just sit back and say, damn, maybe they're on to something over there at Basketball Illuminati. Maybe I need to connect some dots, open my third eye. I'm waiting for that watershed moment where... There's mass hysteria in the streets, and when you stop these people running around rioting and looting because of something that happened in the NBA, all they do is they look at you and they point to their forehead to indicate their third eyes open. Like the gentleman I saw in the airport on my way home from Denver, the guy looked like a dad, a regular dad he had his kid in a stroller, and he looks at me and he says, "I love the show. I love the pod." You know, whenever anyone says that, I always think to talk about Levitar because that's the main show. But now this guy looked at me and he pointed to his forehead and he touched the middle of his forehead and he said, open.
0: Oh, I thought you were saying he gave him the sticker like Cousin Greg. But, oh, <laughs> look who caught up. Oh, a week
1: later, doing succession references. I love the phrasing of this tweet. As always, you know how we like to dig into the word choices and what exactly is being said. Sources is that Kyrie Irving has reached out to LeBron. So what sources could there be other than the man himself or someone in the inner circle and Kyrie, who is a free agent and not tied to the Dallas Mavericks says to LeBron, Hey, LeBron, you were just in the Western conference finals. You should come over here to Dallas where we didn't even make the play in tournament. Cause we were tanking to try to keep our draft pick. You should come join this party. Come hang out with me and Luca. Don't worry about the fact that you're under contract and that we don't really have the assets to trade for you.
2: Just come on down. I'm going to be honest, Maze. I'm listening to you talk. And I'm hearing your tone. You sound kind of like someone who's only got two eyes open. Yeah, pawn. Little sheeple over there.
0: Ba bah. This is exactly the blueprint of the Anthony Davis. LeBron James was calling out how great Anthony Davis was, saying he's the next coming, all this stuff. We'd love to play with him. And he wasn't a clutch guy at that point. But the steps had to be taken, just like Giannis said. Mm-hmm. The breadcrumbs have to be laid down first. And it reminds me, Maze, now we should have been, if we weren't already... Wise to the whole retirement thing of LeBron James. I have a lot to think about this off season. That's right, Tom. He retired. It says Lakers star here. It doesn't say retired goat. <laughs> Look at this report from Shams. And you can tell when Shams has to get this out quickly. He doesn't do the whole sources tell the athletics slash stadium. It was just sources. Mm-hmm. Didn't have time to type it out. No. And then Chris Haynes comes out with a full article multiple paragraphs four minutes later. None of the language in there says anything about a trade that Kyrie's asking for, ask out via trade. No, none of the language in there says that. So can the Lakers look at themselves in the mirror and be the ones who allowed LeBron James to accept a buyout, work out a buyout so he can become a free agent and move to Dallas. So he can link up with Kyrie Irving and the next chosen one, Luka Doncic. Woo!
2: Here's a question I want to know. How does Bronnie James feel about Southern Methodist University? The old Mustangs.
0: My assignment. Uncover why the association inspires more conspiracy theories in volume and salience than any other U.S. sport. Have so heard of the Illuminati? The truth is out there, but so are lies.
1: Your eyes can deceive you. Don't trust them. The NBA has always been controlled by about eight people. Denial is the most predictable of all human responses. If you're only using 10% of your brain, you don't even know that you're using 10% of your brain.
0: The NBA
2: Illuminati. (laughs) Coincidences are just coincidences. Why do they feel so contrived? The Illuminati. But you start to follow the money and you don't know where the f*** it's going to take you. It is unspoken. They have influence among other players. The NBA, open
0: oh I don't have time for your convenient ignorance. Maybe I'm a conspiracist now as well. That's all it took. Oh, we got books. We got schools. You saw a video on YouTube. <laughs> Why
2: am I, sir? You've never used them
1: before. We are the basketball Illuminati. This <laughs>
0: is Basketball Illuminati. I am Tom Haberstro, and as always, I am joined by the five-star Illumin Army Generals, Amin Al-Hassan, and producer Anthony Mays, the co-presidents of the Illumination. I've got lots of research to get to, a very interesting press conference that broke down some stuff, some untrained or trained eyes, some third eyes, <laughs> second <laughs> eyes, first eyes, lots to get into on my calculator and my spreadsheets here. I did some of my own research, and I think I'm going to call that segment, Tom Did His Own Research. You guys cool with that? Yeah. All right. Yeah, I can roll with that. That might work. We'll figure out a better title later. Yeah. All right. We're going to get to that, but first. You are listening to The
1: Agenda with Tom Haverstroh and Amin El-Hassan.
0: I mean, I just want to say before we talk about the actual series, it's good to see your face. It's good to see you're okay. I was a little worried here because I had a little cliffhanger of I'm watching this YouTube video, Uh the hunt for the Jokic brothers. Yeah. The way the world works these days, you can never be too safe. So when I saw the to be continued, Mm -hmm. I got a little nervous that I don't know if I'm ever going to see Amin again.
2: What'd you get nervous about? what do you get nervous about, buddy?
0: Well, the Jokic brothers are fierce individuals. Are they? Yeah. I don't know
1: if you want to be hunting for them.
2: Yeah. Wait, hold on. It's interesting terminology use. You said the Jokic brothers are, and Maze, you said, I don't know if you want to be hunting for them. I'm hunting for the truth. Mm. I'm a seeker of truth, a truth seeker. And when you talk about the Jokic brothers are, they are according to whom? Because I had the streets of Denver. You guys could watch the whole video on YouTube. Me going all over Denver, including in the arena, from bar to bar, including the arena. (laughs) As I said, that that includes the arena. You need the inspirato through the adult beverages. Well, to quote myself from the video, in order to (laughs) catch a yokich, you have to think like a yokich. In order to think like a yokich, you have to drink like a yokich. You know, so it's all in the name of science. People who live in the Pacific Northwest are warned about Bigfoot. People who live in the Himalayas are warned about the Yeti. And there are great descriptions, and there's always someone who knows someone who knows someone who saw it. And it did this, and it ate that, and it destroyed this, and tore that apart and whatever— but, like, we don't have any documented proof of this. I know a lot of people point to a video from the Lakers series of the Jokic brothers taunting Jack Nichols. What is it, like, a grainy video? Like, what? Well, I don't know if you're up to date, up to speed, Tom, with where technology has gone.
0: I am on Strahinia and Nemanja. I'm up to speed.
2: No, I mean, up to speed on artificial intelligence, deep fakes. You got videos of Obama talking about, first things first, I pop up, freaks, all the honeys, dummies, playboy bunnies, those wanting money. I've seen that video. I've seen him say those words. I've heard Frank Sinatra sing, get low. To the window, to the wall, until the sweat drops down my balls, until all you bitches crawl exactly none of this shit is real this is where we are with technology and so it makes sense to me that the league in cahoots with denver trying to market a star who's not marketable right despite him being a fun talented incredibly successful player his personality doesn't exactly jump off the page. so what do we do we create his version of little penny but instead of having a little bite-sized puppet that plays his ego what we do is we create these two guard dog guard bears oh these are his brothers da, 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 da. but no one's seen them. there are no documented stories of them going out and doing things i mean mike malone excuse me michael malone
0: was carried like a baby after game four of the lakers series the brothers picked up the coach and started carrying him around and hugging him. And you're saying that Michael Malone is also an AI figure of our imagination? No, 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 no. Do I have to put on these Apple glasses now, the Apple goggles,
2: just to see the Jokic brothers? Tom, I also saw like Sigourney Weaver get picked up by aliens in Avatar. Like They could make it look like anything. That's where we're at in the technology. Yes, he was picked up. Was he picked up by the Yokish brothers or was he just picked up by people who were then digitally modified to look big and scary and all that stuff? I'll tell you why. This is the part that didn't make the video, right? You guys are gonna love this. BTS? This is the part that didn't make our video. This is BTS. On game day, I was walking off the court, down the hallway towards where the press conference was because I was gonna go watch Rick Adelman winning the Chuck Daily Lifetime Achievement Award. I'm walking with Jenna Garcia, who has appeared with us on several platforms, SiriusXM XM radio, doing bets. He's with us on the post-game shows for both Games One and Game Two. And we walk past a tall, skinny, blonde man. I won't call him frail, but I would just say, you know, look at this way. If I put him next to Anthony Mays, I think I might be more terrified of Anthony Mays in the dark alley than this bean pole that we walk by. And she says, look, a Jokic brother. And I thought she was being funny.
1: I thought you were kidding. I thought it was a joke. I even wrote it down in my diary. (laughs) Veronica had a very funny joke today.
2: So I said, ha, 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 and we kept walking. And then it wasn't until later in the show, she said, no, that was an actual Jokic brother. Nemanja. And I'm like, wait a second, what happened to the tattoos and the big meaty head and all that stuff, you know? The story that Jeff Green told us, where's that guy? Like, cause that guy didn't look like that. He's like, oh, oh, that's the other brother. I'm like, oh, convenient. So the big scary brothers is actually one. Now it's one scary brother. Get out of here, man. You guys are just accepting what the mainstream tells you instead of doing your own research and finding out for yourself. But I don't subscribe to that kind of lazy belief system or just acceptance i'm doing the work out here
0: i can't believe you would do that to jenna you think she's a pawn she's one
2: of the sheep jenna lives in denver dude i don't know who they've gotten to
0: wow can't believe you would do that to one of
2: our guests on the show i'm just saying look basically call her a, call her what a sheep call her part of the conspiracy i don't think she's a sheep look she's the one that pointed the dude out to me and i tell you something There's some people like you, Tom, who just, like, assume because you watch TV. Oh, I watch all the games. I'm Tom Habistro. My third eye is firmly shut. I'm not talking about people like you. I'm talking about people like Coach Malone, people like Adam Silver, people like Jenna Garcia, people like KCP and Jeff Green.
0: So you're saying Nemanja
2: Jokic, who
0: played for Detroit Mercy in D1 basketball, you think that was part of the
2: script? There might have been a Nemanja Jokic somewhere playing at Detroit Mercy. That's totally possible. I'm just saying to you, is that the fire-breathing monster that apparently shows up to every Denver game? I don't know. It would be like if I named my son Lee Harvey Oswald. Did that mean he shot JFK? No, he just shares the name with someone else. Come on now. What are we doing here?
1: I mean, it sounds to me like you've created an unmatchable image of what a Jokic brother is, that when you actually saw one in the flesh— You said, no, that can't possibly be a Jokic brother because it's not scary enough.
2: Yeah. And maybe Bigfoot is just a bear that
1: stood up.
0: You just don't listen to me, man. It's so frustrating when I'm doing actual analysis after the game And you won't even listen to what I'm saying.
1: Because he's too busy giving his AirPods to other people like a sicko.
2: Absolute sicko. But because I've got the AirPod, do you mind? Do you want to? Oh, no, 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 no. They're They're saying no. no, 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 So so the only way this works is if you guys tell me and then I have to translate because she can't hear you guys. Actually, hold on. Well, this is exactly how this works. No, 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 no. What's mine is yours. I'm sorry for being someone who believes in sharing. I just believe in personal hygiene. Toothbrushes. What's mine is yours. Water bottles. What's mine is yours? AirPods. What's mine is yours? Underwear.
1: Well, that's mine. Anything that's really, really close to Amino Hassan
0: can be yours. I just love that. Do you mind? I need you to have this AirPod. Do you mind? It's so good. You're so chivalrous. Just like, hey, do you mind if I stick this earpod
2: in your ear? But then you guys all bitch and complain when I'm like, okay, I'll just translate to her. It's like, oh, you're not translating it right. Well, what do you want from me? Like, I'm trying to get solutions.
1: Someday we'll figure this technology out. Yeah.
2: Someday we'll get it done. I'm solution driven. You guys are problem creators, but I'm solution driven. I'm sorry. I'm not going to apologize for that. You
0: guys want to talk about basketball? Yeah, we can. I mean, we can. This is basketball Illuminati. So we should talk about the first word of that show title. The Miami Heat found something again with the zone defense. But the fact that they are moonlighting as the greatest shooting team of all time is the bigger story. There's a lot of talk about their defense, but they had a hundred and eighty offensive rating in the fourth quarter. A hundred and eighty. I don't care what defense you throw on the other end. It doesn't matter if you're shooting lights out from downtown. You're getting offensive rebounds. Jimmy Butler, when he missed the shot, the mid-range shot, got the offensive rebound and then kicked it out to Gabe Vincent in the left corner. Mm -hmm. And they went up 12. There's nothing you can do. This offense, the three-point shooting was number one a year ago in the regular season, 27th this year. And now they have four, almost five games in which they've made at least half of their three-pointers was a stat that I said during the broadcast after game two or Tom and Amin post game show. And Amin was trying to figure out the headphones. So he didn't see any of it or didn't hear any of it.
2: Mm -hmm. That's right.
0: But that's as many nuclear shooting nights as the golden state warriors had as a team in their four championship runs combined set a league record. According to Coop Moorhead at Coop NBA, if you want Miami heat analysis or movie analysis, he's fine for that too. He prompted me to go look this up. The Golden State Warriors had four in their championship runs. The Miami Heat already have four this postseason. It could have had a fifth if Jimmy Butler didn't miss that three late in game two.
2: It's insane. And the other thing I would point out is we crossed a very important milestone in game two, which is at this point, the Miami Heat have played 20 playoff games. And as you know, Tom... For the statniks out there, the stat heads, stat wonks, whatever you want to call them.
1: Athletics, uh, or whatever they call themselves.
2: 20 games is the milestone where you say this is no longer a hot streak or a phase or whatever. This is who they are. We use it typically in the regular season. We say after 20 games, you know, barring obviously injuries and stuff. But like if you look at what a team is doing statistically through 20 games, their net rating, their offensive rating, their defensive rating, their shooting, et cetera, et cetera. That's pretty much who they are. They're not benefiting from a hot streak. And similarly for players, it's about a 500-minute sample size. So we're looking at this Miami Heat who on Sunday evening played their 20th game. And you know who they are? The number one three-point offense in the NBA. Best percentage, top five in makes in terms of all the teams that have been in the playoffs. We can no longer point to what they did in the regular season and say, well, how are they shooting this well? Oh, it's just the streak, and they'll come back down to earth. They're not coming back down to earth. This is who they are.
0: Duncan Robinson, he's been sensational. I I wonder what you guys think. Tyler Hero coming back for game three, potentially. Mm-hmm. Eric Spolstra in his press conference availability was throwing some cold water on that. Or maybe this is just the way he goes about these press conferences is he says one thing, but he might mean another. But essentially, he has not been cleared for game three. I actually think bringing him in at this stage of the playoffs is going to be a mistake. I might eat my words, but I feel like he's going to be hunted defensively. And I don't know if his hand is going to allow him to be a great shooter enough to replace Caleb Martin or Gabe Vincent in the rotation. This sounds like heresy to say, I don't think you bring back Tyler Hero in this series. I don't think it's heresy, Tom, because Amin just said, this is who they
1: are. We had 20 games of this team, and this team has not included Tyler Hero, and things have been working out pretty well.
2: I'm not ready to throw out the idea of bringing Tyler Hero. Here's why. Guys get hurt, right? So you don't know, Gabe Vincent, who's been hurt in these playoffs. Gets hurt again. You don't want to turn to a guy who's been completely out of it if he's able to play. As I understand it, he is cleared medically. Now it turns into a pain tolerance slash conditioning thing for him. Because apparently it is a very painful injury. He basically had his knuckles broken off from his hand, his shooting hand.
0: Knuckles broken off? What do you mean? Like they fell off his hand? That's the medical
1: terminology, Tom. Don't get too caught up in that. All right. It's a little over your head. It's scientific.
0: Broken off knuckles. Got it.
2: Yep. There are three phases to... Tyler Hero playing in a game right number one is obviously being medically cleared number two is his pain tolerance number three is just his mentality is he thinking about even if he's fully healed we know that players sometimes are very self-conscious about that so that's from a Tyler Hero's standpoint but from a Miami Heat standpoint you kind of have to get him some reps out there in case you need to rely on him now my thing is this I would not start him Gabe Vincent has been amazing You don't throw cold water on that. You let that thing keep rocking. I thought the Kevin Love adjustments, putting him in the starting lineup, worked most notably to stop Aaron Gordon from going nuts, which he did in game one because he was able to out-muscle and overpower smaller opponents. So I like the starting lineup as is. I think bringing Tyler Hero off the bench does a couple of things. One, it doesn't disrupt the rhythm of the first unit. Two, it gives him an opportunity to get reps against second units Typically, a little easier to get some reps off, and obviously be an offensive focal point. Three, it gets him it gets his sea legs under him in case they need him in a bigger role later. Four, we know this team has had bouts of score droughts, right, in the middle of a game, forty to fourteen in the second quarter there, yeah, between the end of the first and the beginning of the second, where the Heat literally could not bring the ball up the floor and get a good look at it. Tyler Hero in those moments would be. So so incredibly needed. Just someone who could come in, create his own shot, a decent shot, a good look for himself or for others and create offense when Jimmy Butler isn't out there slash doesn't have it going. You can't just say, oh, we don't need that for now because there's going to come a moment where you're struggling out there and you will need it and you can't turn to him because you haven't turned to him the whole time.
1: I really loved the Kevin Love adjustment because last week, just last week, we were comparing Caleb Martin to Kevin Durant. He was out playing Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown in a series. And then the heat said, you know what? Take a seat, hop on the bench. He's only going to make one three. It was a very important three, but his role was completely minimized and it was for the better of the team. And how often do you see that when you have a player like Caleb Martin playing out of his mind, willing to accept a diminished role, to have a coach that has no fear, to make the right move. It was really cool. It was really exemplative of what the Miami heat are all about
0: starting Kevin love. what people don't realize is that Kevin love didn't just miss game one. He missed game five, six, and seven of the Eastern conference finals. Mm-hmm. He was off for 10 days. Yep. I really
1: like all the comments I've heard from heat teammates about how Kevin love has been so supportive and been such a solid vet. There was that hilarious moment during the game where <laughs> Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy were talking about the hug, the hug. that he gave to Gabe
0: Vincent when he didn't pass it to him. I feel like Stan needs to give Jeff a hug because if <laughs> Jeff Van Gundy is anti-hug that was so funny in the middle of an NBA game, it's just so perfect. I
1: thought it was too much. Why would you give him a hug? That's
2: <laughs> yeah, so good. Did you see the post game where they were asking Struz what the key is to the series or whatever? And Kevin Love <laughs> off camera says it's kindness, <laughs> kindness to one another. Oh, it's great. I'm winning, man. Kevin Love spread love. Spreading his name. It's a testament to the the cult, culture,
0: whatever you want to call it. He culture.
2: can culture without cult.
0: The idea that they can trust Spo to make the right decision and basically be like, yeah, Max Struis, I know you made four threes in the first quarter, but you're not playing in the fourth quarter. Caleb Martin, thank you for your Eastern Conference Finals and, and what you've done up to this point. You're not playing in the fourth quarter. And it worked out brilliantly. So I like that we're in 2023, that Kevin Love is a defensive stopper. For Aaron Gordon, who dunked over mascots at one point in his life. Now, Kevin Love at 34 years old, about to turn 35, he's inserted into the NBA finals as a defensive stopper. Do we hear what we're saying here in this moment? It was a smart move by Eric Spolstra to insert Kevin Love into the starting lineup to stop Aaron Gordon.
2: I asked you guys this, you and Moe Dakil, this on Sunday night after game two. I said, how surprised were you? that Aaron Gordon couldn't take advantage of Kevin Love. Yeah. He was just stymied by that old man's strength, I guess. <laughs> he couldn't get around him. He could get over him. could go through him. He's just completely stifled. One of the
1: funniest plays of the game, too, to me, was Michael Porter Jr., Dribbling into Kevin love twice. He went through his legs tried to go baseline. Kevin love cut him off Yep, so then he turned around and then immediately tried to go back baseline. Kevin love cut him off again (laughs) Michael Porter jr Looked like a chicken with his head cut off for most of the game and played one of the worst finals games I can remember Whatever it takes from defensive stopper Kevin Love.
2: Yeah, it was great defense. At least he brought it on the other end, though. Yeah, of
0: course.
1: Yes. At least he was locked in defensively, yeah. and closing yeah. out on all the shooters, <laughs> maybe a little too aggressively.
0: Kevin Love, defensive stopper. Here's a stat for you Kevin Love has more steals than Jokic in this series. He has more steals than Jokic and Aaron Gordon in this series. He has more steals than Jokic, Aaron Gordon, and Jeff Green. In this series, he has more steals than Jokic, Aaron Gordon, Jeff Green, and Michael Porter Jr. combined Mm. in this series. Remind me, did he play in game one? I don't believe he did. No, 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 he did not. Kevin Love in like 22 minutes of action has more steals than the entire front court of the Denver Nuggets. And steals weren't just it. It was a lot of closing off driving lanes, getting there before Jokic did. I think they're terrified of him taking a charge. One, that gets Jokic in foul trouble and two, it is demoralizing and it's kind of annoying to have to deal with Kyle Lowry and Kevin Love always diving and trying to take the charge. But Kevin Love is not just a guy who flops out there. He was making a lot of great footwork plays, like you mentioned. He also had an outlet pass that led to a
1: clear path foul that I don't know if I've ever seen before. Yeah. Just savvy. It's impressive
2: stuff. It's funny because... We joked that Kevin Love is a better quarterback than Tua Tungavailoa. We said that in the Knicks series. Yeah. That he's the best quarterback in town is Kevin Love for the Miami Heat. (laughs) We might have said it on this podcast, by the way. We might have said it before that. Watching game one, I remember thinking to myself, Shit, the best quarterback in Denver might be Nico Jokic. Oh, wow. <laughs> they him over Russell Wilson and Peyton Manning, that's for sure. Mr. Mr. Mr.
0: Unlimited. Broncos Country, let's ride. Speaking of ride,
2: I want to take you for a ride.
0: Woo-hoo-hoo! Down to Research Town. What's in Research Town, Tom? What's the population?
2: Research Town, one. Me. What are some of the jobs that they have in Research Town?
1: Researching. And? Digging. A lot of shovels. And? Magnifying glasses. A lot of doing of own research. DIY. Fingerprint dust. Fingerprint dust? Yeah. In Research Town? Yes. Everywhere.
0: What does that look like? You doing your own research? Are you doing studies yourself? Are you in the lab on a nightly basis? What are you doing?
1: Do your own research. Do
0: your own research. Do your own research. Do your own research. Doing your own research.
1: I'm not a scientist. I'm not here to tell everyone that this is it. For me, it's just um, just giving everyone a chance to do their own research and find their own knowledge.
0: All right, fellas. The meta talk of the NBA Finals, besides the hunt for the Jokic brothers, besides the whole hug gate Let's listen to Ramona Shelburne ask Eric Spolster a question after game two.
1: This is probably oversimplifying things, but sometimes when when teams play against Jokic, you
0: you turn him into a scorer, you turn him into a passer, and he controls the game. He only had four assists tonight. Yeah, that's ridiculous. You know, it's just that's the untrained eye that, that says something like that. This guy's an incredible player. You know, twice in two seasons, he's been the best player on this planet. You can't just say, oh, make him a score. <laughs> That's not how they play. They they have so many different actions that just get you compromised. Uh, we have to focus on what we do. Um, you know, we try to do things the hard way, um, and he requires you to do many things the hard way Um Man, we, he has our full respect. This response from Spolstra created a firestorm. People are pulling up receipts from Mike Brown and Steve Kerr, also saying the same thing. Maybe even Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson. A talking point in the series is whether you want to make Jokic a scorer or a passer and whether one is better or worse as a defense.
2: The funny thing is... When I heard Spoh snarl at Ramona's question, what I heard based on his words was someone who was semantically arguing the syntax of her question rather than the spirit of her question. I don't think she was incorrect. As you mentioned, many other people have said the same thing or similar things. I think he was caught up in the syntax Meaning like, oh, the choice of words, the terminology of letting, oh, you don't let Nikola Jokic go. But coach, that's not what she meant. And that's not what anyone would interpret that as. I felt that was Eric Spolstra going on the offensive to dissuade any sort of vibe out there that somehow they had figured out Nikola
0: Yes. I think that is a very coach thing to do is to say we're not, especially in the finals, you don't want to give away your secrets or your strategy out there on the press conference. I might be an untrained eye in this, Uh-oh. but I think Spo's response was more of a cover, a misdirection. I think Spo knew that she was barking up the right tree, mm-hmm. similar to what Steve Kerr and Mike Brown have talked about in the past. And I think Spo, in this response, was trying to throw Michael Malone off the scent or anyone else who would advocate for a strategy to make Jokic turn into. A scorer rather than a passer. So I wanted to research this. I mean, Mays, I wanted to research whether Jokic is better as a passer or a scorer. The Nuggets are better off with Jokic as a passer or a scorer. So how do you do that? How do you assess scorer or passer? Well, I looked at every game this season and how many true shots he took. What are true shots? True shots incorporate not just the field goal attempts, but also the free throw attempts. How many times did he get fouled in the act of shooting? If you've heard of true shooting percentage, that's basically what this is. It's essentially looking at how many points you score for every attempted true shot. Because field goal attempts only tell you part of the story. You also need to look at free throws. For the proxy of a passer, I looked at potential Assists. Because mm. I mean Mays, you know that assists only tell part of the story because there's this whole other part of it. It's called
2: the Lovedale.
1: Which was named after Steph Curry's Davidson teammate, Andrew Lovedale, who was notorious for missing easy shots.
0: The Lovedale, where if you make a great pass, but the guy misses the shot, you would have gotten the assist if he had made the shot. And it gets lost to the ether, to the abyss of the box score. At NBA.com, you can look at actually. Potential assists. How many assist opportunities did Jokic have in game two? It's actually interesting. He had 32 true shots, mm-hmm. 11 potential assists. Hmm. And only four actual assists, right, Tom? That's right. 32 true shots and 11 potential assists. To give you an idea of what that looks like compared to his normal levels, this season, Jokic averaged 17 and a half true shots per game and 16 and a half potential assists, almost a one-to-one ratio. So what he did in game two was a total anomaly, almost three times as many true shots as potential assists. That's actually the fourth most score mode
2: game of Jokic's season, and they lost. What were the other two, or the other three, excuse me?
0: So in game four of the Phoenix series, Jokic had 36 true shots and just 11 potential assists, Mm -hmm. and they lost by five. This postseason, when Jokic has 30-plus True shots, the Nuggets are two and three. Mm -hmm. In all other games this postseason, they are 11 and one. That's just looking at this postseason. What about the entire season? Regular season included. Fellas, we see a similar trend. When his true shots are double his potential assists, the Nuggets are a pedestrian seven and five. When he has more potential assists than true shots, meaning he's more of a passer than a scorer, the Nuggets soar to an 800-win team, record 24-6. and six. It's the facts! So I think that's kind of what Spo is talking about here, is this idea that you can change him. He's an incredible player. He's been an MVP twice now. We don't have any impact on that. Like, come on, that's an untrained eye. But I do think there's some truth to this, that if you had to pick one or the other, I mean, and I think you mentioned this in game two in the post-game show, having Jokic set up his other teammates where they get to touch the ball and they can rain from downtown and be active off the ball. That's a win. That's a win for the Nuggets. They prefer that
2: Jokic, right? They prefer that Jokic because it makes those other guys better. Because here's the reality. What Spo was trying to get across is like, you don't let Jokic do anything. He does whatever the hell he wants to do. What the question was really about is, hey, how much of your defensive energy is focused on not allowing the other guys to get loose. Because here's the other part of it, guys. It should be pointed out that even when he does hit those benchmarks that Tom mentioned, they still are really good, right? Like
0: <laughs> Seven and five is pretty good.
2: That's still about 500.
0: But there were two and three this season when he has over 30 true shots. Yeah,
1: and in game two, they were... One shot away from tying the game at the
2: very end there. Exactly. So that's the first thing to take into account. But the other thing also is, you know, I've talked about this a lot and I got some flack from Miami fans when I said this a few weeks ago, but I think it's bearing out, it's borne out since that 3-0 lead against Boston, which is Miami is a team with small margins for error. Their whole thing is that we're going to make you make mistakes because we don't make mistakes. And when they make mistakes, then that margin dissipates for them. They have to do things the right way every single time. They have to be cerebral about almost anything because they cannot out-talent you, right? You're not going to make Jokic make mistakes. The guy's just too good. He makes the right play over and over again. He plays as mistake-free basketball as I've ever seen an individual player who has the ball in his hands that much, right? But what you can do is you can make those other guys frustrated and make mistakes. And what happens is when they are taken out of the flow of their offense, at their best, what Tom said, you know, what they want, a win for the Nuggets is Jokic is setting everybody up and everyone's cutting and moving and hitting shots and they feel good about themselves and they come back down and they're defending. The flip side of that is when Jokic has to carry the scoring burden. Everyone else has to kind of get in where they fit in. And they're not used to that. These are house-fed cats. They're not hunters. And so when they do that and they are met with failure, and I'm not talking about failure of, oh, one for 30 or whatever, just like it's a little harder than it usually is. They become more impulsive. They take worse shots. And if they're not making those shots, as we saw in game two, it starts to bleed over into other areas of their game. Defending, defensive focus, fouling, so many plays, so many mistakes made in the second half of that game by players It's not that they weren't playing well or shooting well. It's that they just weren't in a flow and a rhythm. And that's why you do what the Miami Heat did. It's never about Jokic. It's about everybody else and taking them out of their rhythm. I remember
1: hearing about the Clippers doing this to Luka. And then obviously the first time that I remember this talking point entering the media landscape was Steve Nash and the Spurs. Mm Mm-hmm and you were there, right? I mean, you were I was there in the front office watching that happen. And I guess my question is, like Tom just explained, the numbers are there. The research is there that supports this style of play. Is it just that it's so hard to execute this plan of defensive attack that it's not more prevalent?
2: That's right. So there's two things going on here. One is, as I said, just because you're successful at making him do that doesn't mean they're 0 for 10 or whatever. Mm-hmm. They still win a lot. Yeah. Pick your poison. Even within that, you're still picking poison, right? When people say pick your poison, you're still getting poisoned, right? It's still poison. But the other part of this maze is that's assuming that you can even get to a point where you can pick your poison. So for a lot of teams, they don't have the discipline. They don't have the IQ to even get to a point where you can force Jokic to do something like that or not force Jokic because Coach Spo will call that an untrade eye. Where you get to a point where you can successfully stymie everyone else at the expense of making things a little easier for Jokic individually. Most teams can't even do that. And the ones that can, you get there and he still beats you. And so what do you do? But I do believe this is the way to do it. And and you're right. This is what the Spurs did against us in Phoenix. And I had a great time reminiscing about that with Roger Bell on the Real Ones podcast. And Roger brought it up. He said, look, they would go under on Steve Nash pick and rolls in order to clog everything up. Mm -hmm. To the untrained eye, he said, what are you doing? This guy might be the greatest shooter in NBA history up to that point. But they knew if Steve's shooting, that means everyone else wasn't. That had us stuck in the mud and it took those guys out of rhythm and took them out of their feel goods of getting touches and getting buckets and all that. And then the other part of it was, and I think this is the one difference between Steve and Nikola Jokic. Is that Steve legitimately didn't feel comfortable scoring? Mm. He could do it, he would do it from time to time, but it was something he didn't like to do, to the point where, in retrospect, when he thinks back about his career, he says, I should have shot more. When he watches Steph Curry playing where the game he was like, I absolutely should have shot more. I thought I was being unselfish by not shooting. Turns out I was being selfish by trying to get assists instead of shooting more. I think Jokic is a lot more comfortable going in and hoisting up shots and putting up buckets. Again, this is a guy who averaged 25 points a game this regular season while shooting 66% effective field goal percentage. This isn't a a shrinking violet in that regard. He's averaging 30.4 in the playoffs with an effective field goal percentage of 587. So he's not only capable, but a lot more willing than Steve ever was.
0: There's this other thing that's going down in this Timber finals is that Jokic is not the number one facilitator on the team. Jamal Murray has 10 assists in each of the first two games, 38 potential assists in the first two games. 38. The next highest this season for Jamal Murray when he's playing next to Jokic is 32. So this is unprecedented from Jamal Murray, the facilitating, and I actually looked at this too, is in game two, he had 21 potential assists compared to Jokic's 11, which is emblematic of a larger trend They lost. And in games in which Murray has more potential assists than Jokic, the Nuggets are three and three, exactly 500. And in the games in which Jokic has more potential assists than Murray, the Nuggets are nine and one this postseason. I feel like if the Heat could pick between Jokic being the facilitator at the top of the key in the zone or Jamal Murray, You want Jamal Murray to be the facilitator. And in the first two games, that has been the fulcrum of that offense is Jamal Murray creating for others. And some of that has to be Jamal Murray feeding Jokic.
2: Yes. For his 40 points. Particularly in the two-man game. There was several possessions on Sunday night. I remember uh, sitting next to Taylor and a couple other people upstairs in the media seating and watching, I believe it was Caleb Martin and Cody Zeller, it might be Caleb and Bam, guard the two-man game between... Murray and Jokic where they screen and rescreen and rescreen and they keep going back and forth and they were playing it perfectly hedging retreating coming back recovering and then at the end of it Jokic just hits a shot and like none of that matters <laughs> a lot of those assists came out of that action right there I mean hell I think I would have had five assists if I was out there yeah throwing it to Jokic you know so he's got 10
0: assists to Jokic 10 of his 20 assists this series have gone to big honey Big bird.
1: So that kind of fits into the whole structure of the thing, right? If you're making Jokic score more, absolutely, that means that Murray is feeding Jokic more, which drives Murray's potential assists up.
0: And there was a play, I think at the end of the third quarter when Jokic was on that scoring tear, where Jokic is just taking it to Cody Zeller. Cody Zeller's fumbling the ball. It doesn't take a lot for that to happen. Jokic steals it and goes coast to coast handed four heat defenders in transition, collapsing onto Jokic. And he makes this amazing finish with one hand off the glass. Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gunny were just marveling. I mean, that was insane. What they didn't see in that possession was wide open. Contavious Caldwell Pope in the corner.
1: Did Jokic go and give him a hug after?
2: No hugs. man. Too
0: many men giving
2: hugs. That's a different podcast.
0: Then there's also Bruce Brown in the corner, wide open for three. And so there's times where you want Jokic to be in attack mode, but there are opportunities for him to kick it to you in the corner and you get three instead of two. And so I'm not saying that the Heat are on purpose putting four guys on Jokic, but it's just moments like that where we're marveling at Jokic's finishing ability at the rim for two when they could be getting these wide open three-point attempts in transition.
2: And that, by the way, probably feeds into, again, some of the frustration that some of those guys get later on, right? Where they're committing silly fouls and, frustration fouls and over gambling because they're not feeling comfortable. They're not getting the looks that they quote unquote want. Now, before we close out here,
0: I just want to point out, you know, the Kyrie Irving, LeBron to Dallas stuff that we called in February. You guys remember that Jamal Murray floater that Bam Adebayo swatted out?
2: You mean the goaltend? It looked like a goaltend in real time. I don't know. They didn't show enough replays in the arena.
0: Yeah. Keep your third eye open. Remember on this here program, we reported before the mainstream media did, before they came around on the story that that's going to be automated Mm
1: -hmm.
0: VAR going forward Hawkeye Hawkeye technology is going to be able to automate whether that's a two or a three or whether it's a goaltend going up coming down out of bounds plays when Jimmy Butler makes that pass and he knows Jimmy Butler knows he's a very smart man Hawkeye isn't ready yet it's going to be ready next year so he can step out of bounds all he wants right now in the NBA Finals. He's just so savvy like that, making those passes while stepping out of bounds. But if you listen to this program, you know that that play, Jamal Murray, that floater, Bam Adebayo creating that turnover, that's going to be adjudicated automatically by the cameras going forward. NBA VAR coming to the league next year. You heard her here first. So I'm just letting people know.
2: These guys think it was a little adorable. The ringer was like, whoa, we were talking about Kyrie in March or whatever it's almost two months after we talked about it. <laughs> Shout out to the ringer. Shout out to KOC. Yeah. Have you gotten him for game three? Is he gonna be in Miami? I haven't seen him. Didn't see him today at availability,
0: so Okay. We gotta make this happen.
1: Well the next time you're looking around for him, be sure to stand on your tiptoes. Okay guys, little code breakers on the way out here. So last week, Adam Silver had a press conference and he said, we look at both the history of prior acts and we look at the individual player's history as well in reference to John Morant and the seriousness of course of the conduct. In terms of the timing, we've uncovered a fair amount of additional information. We probably could have brought it to a head now, but we made the decision and I believe the players association agrees with us that it would be unfair to these players and these teams to announce in the middle of the series to announce the results of that investigation.
0: Yeah. But he announced
2: it. He didn't
0: in the middle of the series. He announced it's going to be bad, but the actual length of it and the actual new evidence that they've uncovered, man, Adam silver ain't dumb. He's dropping that. Cause it's coming with a lot of muscle when he volunteers the information that they got new evidence. gotta be bad man
2: this is an interesting form of doublespeak right it's one of my
0: favorites it's amazing
2: this is a master class i mean you should adopt
1: this for your Jokic brothers series just be like well i found the Jokic brothers but i don't want to reveal it to you right now because it's so crazy how big and scary they are i don't want to distract from what's going on on the court so we'll save that for a later date
2: i like the idea he said when he was asked about jaws availability he said, I'm not going to answer that yet. I think let's wait and see what the conclusion is of our investigation.
1: So we're not even done investigating yet. Wait a minute. Incredible.
2: He left the door open on either end, right? The idea that investigation is concluded. We already know everything. We've discovered new stuff and we're waiting until the end of the finals in order to announce. And on the other hand, he says, well, we're going to see what it looks like at the end of the investigation. Which one is it? The other part of this is... And I saw Dan got tripped up by this. Dan thinks that Adam Silver said the Players Association knows what the verdict is Hmm. because they agree. And the reality is the Players Association, what they agreed to was the holding of the verdict until after the finals. Not what the verdict actually is. A lot of people got tripped up on that. I saw.
1: It's because aggregators change the language because they also misunderstood. We know how Dan loves his aggregators. Aggregators! Mount up.
2: This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping.